0: Welcome to the RIPE Labs podcast. I'm Alan Davies, the RIPE Labs editor, and we're back again with yet another conversation on a topic that I'm sure will be of interest to the people who help keep the internet running. This week, I'm handing the mic over to my very good colleague, Anastasia Pak, who recently traveled to Uzbekistan to talk about the state of the internet in Central Asia.
1: We don't have a regional community because uh, we don't have any organization. We are still living separately. It's time to build the regional community.
0: This September, I traveled back to Tashkent, the city I was born in to attend the RepNCC Day's event. Uzbekistan is in the heart of Central Asia, a region whose geography, regulatory environment, and dominance of state-controlled providers have all contributed to limitations on the region's internet access. To learn more about the state of the internet in the region and the prospects for regional collaboration, I met up with Shavkat Sabirov, president of the Internet Association of Kazakhstan. Hello, Shavkat. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you very much for agreeing to speak with us today. You're welcome. Hope that uh, Tashkent gave you a very warm welcome a very sunny place. Um, so before we start, because I wanted to talk about the panel discussion that you had uh, yesterday at the Ripon CC Days in Tashkent about the interconnected region and Central Asian countries, I want to explain to our audience a little bit what is Central Asia, just to briefly mention that this is the countries that are m- relatively new, in a sense, because they were born 30 years ago, after the Soviet Union collapsed, and they were part of one country before the Soviet Union for as twice many years as they are now. And before we go there and talk about Central Asia, Internet in Central Asia, because here we are, what brought you to the Internet?
1: You know, uh, I graduated. Uh, State Siberian University in uh, IT field. So uh, the whole of my life just uh, with IT. That's why when uh, Internet came to Kazakhstan, Internet uh, became as a part of my life because by the end of 90s, I remember uh, I provided my help to uh, my friend who opened one of the first websites uh, in Internet. So, uh, of course, right now it's absolutely different story, absolutely different uh, situation. So uh, let me say, Internet, its, it's uh, right now, it's a huge part of my life.
0: And uh, so you're currently heading the Internet Association of Kazakhstan, yes. right? What the association is doing, if you can just tell briefly to our audience. The Internet
1: Association of Kazakhstan is a non-profit organization. It's NGO uh, and uh, consists of uh, the uh, internet community, from uh, the companies, and uh, we have internet providers as the members. We have a media, we have uh, payment uh, systems and uh, other companies. It's about 42 companies in uh, Internet Association of Kazakhstan. So we just represent the uh, interest of our members. So we are working under the draft law. We are working uh, under the, our social project what we have in association and uh, of course uh, including uh, international organizations such as ICANN, RiNCC including and also we have a special consultative status at uh, economic and Social uh, council at uh, United Nations as well.
0: ECOSOC, right? ECOSOC, yes. So um, I know th- you are from Kazakhstan, and of course you have a very, very, I would say, rich knowledge about the country and the internet there, but you've also have been involved, uh, as I know, uh, in many different projects within the region. And f- I want to start with the topic of digitalization in the region because as we see in many reports for instance the country, the country report that the ripe NCC published a few years ago that it's still not really developed so not all the countries are covered fully with the internet and because we know that uzbekistan tajikistan kazakhstan kyrgyzstan and turkmenistan Used to be one country at some point. There is a lot of infrastructure that is still shared. Many, many spheres are interdependent, and we were talking a bit of an interdependency. But since the internet is modern, so I think it's as modern as this independence, independent countries. Probably the differences are quite obvious, right? In digitalization, so. Yeah, I want to talk about the level of digitalization in these countries and to what extent you think there are commonalities and differences.
1: 30 years ago, uh, all countries in Central Asia uh, started in the same position. It was exactly the same position. However, Kazakhstan in uh, 2004 started under the e-government project in 2005 uh, the first law uh, related to e-government it means uh, the first step it's uh, you have to change your law that um, uh, e-services e-government uh, must be equal just as the traditional services uh, the second part of uh, digitalization, it's a special program uh, to reduce uh, digital inequality, because uh, everyone must have enough skills to use uh, computer, PC, or whatever. The third part to use, uh, to be as a part of uh, digitalization, it means uh, banking services. That's uh, all people uh, have to use uh, banking services, credit cards, debit cards, whatever, payment system and, and so on. So in this case, Kazakhstan became to 2010 when uh, e-government uh, provided enough e-services. So uh, the people 12 years ago started to get e-services online uh, after that so i think maybe during three or five years we received enough websites news media e-commerce uh, finance in any fields of websites so uh, Kazakhstan got really Huge step to digitalization. That's why, for example, uh, up to today, uh, we have a strong e-government, we have infrastructure, uh, we have uh, enough e-services, and uh, of course, we have a lot of qualified internet users as well. And uh, pandemic during, during the pandemic period, uh, the gap between countries in Central Asia just uh, became its bigger, you know. For example, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, they' just still uh, going uh, unfortunately behind Kazakhstan because uh, we have a different level of uh, digitalization.
0: Maybe like let's um, just maybe go a bit further in this topic of the gap between the countries during the COVID. What actually happened? So there was a COVID outbreak and it means that probably everyone started to use the internet, right? So can you maybe tell a little bit like in terms of the examples?
1: You know, uh, uh, from the one side, COVID uh, brought us uh, a lot of problems. But uh, from the other side, COVID uh, just shows uh, how uh, potential internet market in Kazakhstan. Because uh, during just one month uh, during the quarantine or restrictions, for business movements in April of uh, 2020 uh, we uh, have over 75 million uh, viewers for only media except of e-commerce delivery or whatever so it means that uh, uh, Kazakhstan internet users uh, using a lot of uh, internet and also uh, the infrastructure which uh, was built in uh, 2010 let me say uh, it was very helpful to citizens
0: yeah i think for uzbekistan it was actually a very good push when the COVID happened because the e-commerce as i remember before i left the country it was not really a thing there were very very few um, companies that were providing providing the e-commerce services and now during the pandemic i actually couldn't go to uzbekistan and i came afterwards and i saw how many delivery options the website for different shop uh, like uh, Groceries and everything. it started to be available everywhere from many, many different suppliers. And I believe probably this was actually. The I result. agree.
1: Yeah. However, I think yes. that the first step, it must be uh, done by government. Uh, if government just is going to provide more e services, it's uh, more helpful and useful for citizens because in this case everyone just from the beginning from the young till uh, pensions uh, must to use e-services and uh, we'll get enough experience to use uh, e-commerce and other internet services as well
0: yeah but i'm thinking so Covid maybe created this also gap in terms of there are people who have the media literacy level quite high so they know how to use their devices and get access to information or just i don't know like computer literacy or how do they call it right and they can use their devices but there are also people who live in a very remote areas and they don't have access to the internet and even if they do they don't know how to use their devices to Access to the information or the services they need, and yesterday during the panel there was a presentation by Halil, and they were talking about um, how in Kyrgyzstan they helped to to reach the very remote areas and uh, installed internet infrastructure there. But at the same time, there was a discussion that it's not profitable for the companies to cover these remote villages with the internet. So I believe that. While we're accelerating some development in the digitalization in the countries, it mostly is in the capitals or in big cities. So, what we need to do with these small villages? Like, what would be your expert advice?
1: We have uh, about 1,500 small villages in Kazakhstan without uh, any access to internet. It means uh, that the village uh, can be 1500, 1500 from uh, close to any city, you know, and also number of uh, people in small villages. It's it's really small. Kazakhstan uh, provided the special uh, support, financial support to national operator, just to bring internet to remote. Areas, however, still we have over 1,500 villages, as I said before, uh, still without access to internet, and uh, our government still thinking and looking for any decision, because it's uh, it's a really big questions. Uh, maybe we can use uh, uh, access from one web maybe from the Starlink, who knows, but still uh, government just thinking how to bring uh, access to internet.
0: So we clearly can say that the government plays the most important role in ensuring actually that the country is covered with the internet. And also again, I want to come back to the yesterday's uh, panel because it was quite interesting. You were saying about that For instance in kazakhstan kazakh telecom monopoly and it's a government uh, body the same is in uzbekistan uzbek telecom is the biggest provider of the internet as well and um, my question would be what do you think could be practically done to ensure that the end users have access to the internet and how the companies that are private should challenge or do they need to cooperate with the government so what's basically the solution to ensure that the variety of the services is how to say growing but at the same time we keep our monopolies happy or working
1: (laughs) i think that's the biggest uh uh, question how to demonopolize Services of uh, national operator, uh, Kazakh Telecom. Uh, the last month, uh, some uh, functions of uh, Kazakh Telecoms uh, were demonopolized. So uh, it's. Uh, I think it's, it's a good way to bring to market additional services to make uh, the services more. Uh, Competitive through the market, through the business. I think uh, this is a good idea and a good uh, solutions for Kazakhstan. For Uzbekistan, I don't know, because uh, in Central Asia we have uh, one monopolist Uz Telecom, Kazakh Telecom, I think Tajik Telecom. Documentary, it's the same story in each country. This is a specific character of our countries. So uh, Kazakhstan will start with uh, demonopolization.
0: Which functions are have been already overtaken by the private sector from them? Yes,
1: it's uh, the first one is payment system. The next one is demonopolization. Uh, uh, services, some services inside Kazakhstan, so uh, right now we are waiting for additional services which can be demonopolized, including uh, infrastructure, including uh, access to internet and other services as well.
0: Yeah. Well, let's hope that it's uh, going to continue in a positive way. So I think we will say let's see and let's hope and uh, but we clearly understand the role of the government operators in all the central asian countries so i guess it makes sense that we do need to ask for the decisions from their side to have some improvements and i remember yesterday also had this uh, topic about the ex- internet exchange points between the countries and there is one between uzbekistan and kazakhstan was no. it not? Or was it something else?
1: Yeah, you know uh, when I said before Kazakhstan starts with uh, digitalization to build uh, uh, infrastructure in uh, from uh, 2005 so it means uh, we have uh, fiber optics uh, channels across uh, Kazakhstan uh, in this case for example we provide Kazakhstan provides uh, about 95 98 percent of uh, internet to We have uh, a trade connect to Turkmenistan close to the Caspian Sea. Uh, we have uh, f- few projects uh, such as Caspian uh, Digital Hub, which can uh, provide uh, transit traffic. From uh, Kazakhstan to Aktau, uh, through the Caspian Sea to Baku, Azerbaijan, and direct uh, channel to Italy. Mm -hmm. It will, uh, let me say, uh, short channel, maybe in twice or triple, Mm -hmm. uh, instead of uh, regular uh, transit uh, from uh, Asia to Europe. Uh, However, I think it was a historical uh, moment when uh, Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan has only one connection, and also this connection is not uh, so uh, huge or good. I think it's a really small connection. I think uh, this connection became to us from uh, our presidents of ex presidents from Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. And now as I said uh, we have a good chance with uh, new Uzbekistan and new Kazakhstan to build uh, the new connection which can reflect our relationship.
0: Well, let's hope that this uh, interconnection point is yeah. going to be built and because it's going to help, I guess, a lot uh, to Uzbekistan, for sure, and also to Kazakhstan. But the other question is, I'm going to a little bit like of a sensitive topic. We saw there was a conflict between Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan lately, so there was a problem. And these countries are so interconnected with each other. And you, for example, told that Kyrgyzstan is dependent by 95% uh, yeah. from Kazakhstan.
1: It, it's not a dependence. Yeah, yeah. uh, They're using just a transit channels. It means, for example, Kazakhstan uh, is using still uh, huge connections through the Russia. But uh, it doesn't mean that the, we are dependent to Russia. It means uh, you are using the channels as a transit for data transfer that's it and uh, the next question i think that said that to build uh, ix exchange center uh, inside kazakhstan inside uzbekistan inside kyrgyzstan and also connect to ix exchange point in this case
0: yeah because i'm thinking what if let's say kazakhstan has a conflict with kyrgyzstan and then do you then Kazakhstan has actually the chance to do something with this no, channel. No, no, no. So it's not really it, it creating uh, any... Let
1: me say issues. it's uh, it's impossible because you are using transit channel. It doesn't relate it to uh, we are closed or we don't have a relationship. It means uh, you are using just a transit channel and you, you just have to pay... Uh, for transit channel, nothing else.
0: Well, that's very good. This is very important. Yeah, to that's be... why, for
1: example, if uh, someone just tried to disconnect Russia, it doesn't mean that we can lose uh, internet in Kazakhstan. Okay, we will get, uh, or we are remaining delay, but we are not uh, losing internet.
0: And that's important, right, for us to keep the internet going yes, and yes, keep sure. it running. My next question would be also, since I touched this, the conflict situations and the issues um, in germ- on the political level, I'm wondering, we had this initiative called Keep Ukraine Connected. It was presented in the previous right meeting. And actually at the time, people, um, the network operators and their community, they helped to keep the internet going and to keep the infrastructure working in the wartime. So I thought, yeah, to what extent you think the community in Central Asia is sort of interconnected with each other to help each other in different times uh, and how resilient they are? Or you think it's a very, very separate communities that don't really talk to each other?
1: To so be honest, uh, I think uh, we don't have a regional community because uh, we don't have any organization in Central Asia. We are still living separately. and also uh, level of economy, uh, level of e-government services, or level of uh, your life, It's a little bit different in Central Asia. In this case, uh, sometimes uh, we have a lot of questions from Kyrgyzstan. Sometimes we have a lot of uh, questions from Kazakhstan to, I don't know, another country. So uh, I think that we have to start a regional community right now. It's time to build the regional community, because uh, otherwise we will uh, live uh, our life independent or separately. let me say.
0: Yeah. And I think with the new leadership in both of our countries, the relationship have become quite better and in many, many areas there was very big search of cooperation so i hope the internet comes next but maybe we could also tell to our audience a little bit about the small in, uh, initiative that we are planning to do in november the central asian peering and interconnection forum which i guess this would be a, a platform that yeah. you're talking about
1: you know we uh, we spoke a lot with a uh, representative of uh, RIPE NCC that uh, we have to do something with uh, IX exchange or peering or interconnection in centralized. Uh, we have, I don't know, to start with research or, uh, I don't know, create the conference. We have to start to discuss now uh, about uh, interconnect and uh, IX exchange in Central Asia uh, so that's uh, why I'm so happy that uh, we will uh, as a host of uh, conference uh, in 16 and 17 of November we try to invite every company to our conference and uh, during uh, these uh, days, we try to find a way how we can to build interconnect, how we can uh, to build uh, IX exchange points, because uh, right now we have to move very fast.
0: And I really hope there will be people coming. And do you think this forum will be also interesting for those people from the countries outside? Central Asia, for example, and to what extent it is quite useful for them to come there?
1: I think, for example, for Azerbaijan, it must be very interesting for Armenia as well. Or I'm not sure about China, but for Central Asia, uh, it's, uh, it's really important uh, thing. Uh, to build uh, internet exchange point.
0: The next question, I think, for me would be about another innovation that is still a problem for all Central Asian countries. It's IPv6 deployment, and you spoke about it quite a lot yesterday. And we know that this also, again, comes top-down. The government actually really needs to to take care, in the sense of the of accelerating the deployment of IPv6. What, in your opinion, knowing the region should be the plan, also based on what was discussed yesterday?
1: You know, IPv6, uh, it's a huge question for Kazakhstan, I don't know, maybe last four, five, six years ago. I'm not tired to speak about IPv6. And uh, I'm happy that uh, today we have uh, small steps to ipv6 uh, for for Kazakhstan it's uh, right it's more important compared to Uzbekistan for example because uh, statistics shows that we are using one ipv4 address for six and a half uh, devices it means uh, Kazakhstan has a lot of devices which need uh, uh, IP address. IPv6 is the best way how to uh, get uh, enough IP address uh, in Kazakhstan. For example, uh, as I said during the conference, only for my family I need about 25-27 IP addresses. Only one family. It means uh, for Kazakhstan it needs much, much more. And uh, right now we have uh, IPv6 uh, deployment at Interconnect through the country. Some of uh, mobile operators uh, try to push IPv6. We are waiting uh, from uh, any activities from Kazakh Telecom, which monopolist. So uh, we need activities from uh, Kazakh Telecom. And also, I think, uh, th- as we discussed uh, today, that uh, there are two uh, points which can uh, move uh, IPv6 forward. Mm-hmm. The first one, for example, Google, Yahoo, Amazon, eBay, what any website. One day just uh, try to... Announce that's working only under IPv6. In this case, I can guarantee that the Kazakhstan government will think, oh, come on, guys, we have to use Google. It, it means that we cannot use Google. Let's go forward very fast to IPv6. Uh, this is just the first way. Uh, the second way is, uh, uh, I think, uh, hopefully. Uh, the price of IPv4 increase twice on next year. In this case, all services of uh, which uh, including IPv4 will increase twice. So people uh, or users is not going to buy expensive services. So all services with the IPv4 is going to be uh, expensive. In this case, IPv6 will come uh, at the same time and uh, just instead of IPv4.
0: Yes sounds like your the solution is money and power. yes uh, yeah maybe we need to invite the president of Google for the next <laughs> meeting I think yeah. <laughs> or Amazon please or, yes yes that would be I guess something very effective. I think to wrap up, I have a last question to you, Shavkat, and this is about the project you've been working lately. uh, And this is the Internet Universality Project by UNESCO. Um, Maybe a little bit about the project. And my main question would be how it can help the region?
1: UNESCO adopted Special Resolution in 2015. Uh, about internet universality indicators and uh, since 2015 only six countries provided research uh, according to internet universality indicators uh, requirements uh, which are based on uh, raw mix it means uh, Human rights, R, O, openness of Internet, A, accessibility, M, multi-stakeholders, participation, and X as cross-cutting indicators, which related to each category. For Kazakhstan, I think this is a a huge opportunity. Uh, I try to say huge opportunity because... uh, by the end of the project, we will get official research from international organizations such as the UNESCO. And everyone can uh, use the data in this research uh, because uh, we are going to provide verified data. We have a double verification of our data because we understand that uh, a lot of people will use this research for business, for knowledge, for experience, uh, for any reason. Also happy, let me say more than happy, that uh, our associations are working under this project.
0: And then, but is it going to cover only Kazakhstan or it also goes beyond?
1: No, it's uh, just only Kazakhstan. As I know, Uzbekistan has its own project for Internet universality uh, indicators.
0: Well, I hope that there is also some developments in Uzbekistan as well.
1: Yeah, and also I hope the other countries as well. However, for example, uh, I don't know how to uh, find data in Tajikistan and also uh, how to get data from Kyrgyzstan because it must be verified mm. by government or international organization.
0: Yeah, this, I guess, is a challenge that needs to be completed. But I I feel like the regional cooperation, this is something that is really needed in Central Mm -hmm. Asia. Yeah, and
1: also as you were asking me what uh, will uh, help. For example, uh, if you are a potential investor to build uh, IX Exchange Point. Uh, During our research, you can see the data. Mm -hmm. How many people? how many computers, how many servers, uh, how big infrastructure, and also how? where is the most popular cities, which one, uh, regions of Kazakhstan, uh, what's the numbers, verified numbers of uh, any statistical data, for example. Or you are going to open any e-commerce, you have to understand uh, how many banks, uh, where is the GDP, income, because uh, if a citizen don't have enough income, you can build e-commerce because uh, for what reason it's difficult. So I think our research uh, can help to everyone who want to who wants to uh, do something uh, in uh, Kazakhstan
0: that sounds like a very very great uh, initiative and good luck with that thank you and thank you very much of for speaking with us you're Having, welcome it's very great to I think to have someone from Central Asia speaking on this podcast because before we had the speakers mostly from the western world so it's good to have a perspective of the locals yeah thank you very much and hope to see you in kapif in almaty
1: yes see you later
0: that was our episode. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to it. As usual, take a look at the show notes to get more information on some of the topics that Anastasia and Showcat discussed. Next time, we'll be talking to Chris Armin from the RIPE NCC about geolocation with RIPE IP Map.